This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Angel Livis. This week on The Woman Behind the Business, an appetite for success. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today we're taking you on a journey to West Africa. That's where the soul of our next guest was marinated in tradition and seasoned with the importance of family and love. Chef Maimuna Zubaru Burnett hails from a small country off the coast of West Africa by the name of Sierra Leone. It is there that her passion for knowledge was birthed and her desire for success was realized. As an immigrant living in the metropolis of our nation's capital, Mai has crafted a space for other West African locals to own their voice, embrace community, and enjoy traditional West African meals through a unique dining experience. Chef Mai is the woman behind Mai's Kitchen and an international treasure when it comes to speaking up and speaking out about biases that affect what she loves the most, people. Welcome to the show, Mai. Thank you for having me, Angel. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So, Mai, you were nine when you moved to the United States and actually just a few years younger than your 12-year-old daughter. When you started life in America, what were some of your dreams? Um, When I started life in America, um, well, let me take a step back because I came to America on vacation. Um, I had a really great life back home. Um, You know, my family, my family was well to do, I would say. My mom was a successful attorney. Um, So we came on vacation. My dad was here at the time and um, I came with my sisters, my two sisters and my mom, and um, for summer vacation. So anyway, so it was time to leave. And um, I said I wasn't leaving. I actually came up. Sorry, I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. I came up my- Two steps back. Two steps back. <laughs> <laughs> two steps back. Um, I came up my my mom, my two sisters, and my cousin, Al, uh, who my mom had raised. He's six months apart from me. So we were raised like twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all came in. His dad was here. So his dad wanted him to stay. <laughs> and I said I wasn't going back without him, that my mom could leave. And, you know, <laughs> and I, I just still can't believe this story because at nine, I convinced my mom to keep me, in the, to leave me in the United States. Right. So I said I wasn't going. So then she said, OK, you can stay. And she went back with my two sisters. Um and then shortly after, I was shipped to L.A. to my dad's sister, which didn't make sense. Right. But I was still in America. Right. Um, so anyway, so that's that's how that came about. Um, that's how I, I uh, came to stay in America. And I was I was sad most of the time because I missed my mom. I cried a lot. So I didn't have a lot of dreams at that time. I wouldn't say, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was going to school in California. Uh, a few years later, my mom uh, came back with my sister. She moved because of me. She always tells me she left everything because of me, you know, so they came back here. Um, but my dream was always to be like my mom, who is an attorney and a government official. So um, is that where your passion for people and um, advocating for people, is that where that was established? Yeah, it was. It was established there. Um, so I grew up around a lot of strong women. Um, you know, my grandmothers were both successful businesswomen. They didn't go to school or anything, but they were very successful, um, had shops and, you know, traded and things like that. And I was around my aunts, you know, um, you know, doctors, business owners, um, you know, all had like 
higher degrees. And so I grew up around that. Right. And again, my mom was very successful. So um, so I just grew up knowing I was going to be successful. Um, and I always tell the story about how I didn't do well in school because I have I have dyslexia. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my mom hates when I say that, but I have dyslexia. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but I just always I was around success. Mm-hmm. So I saw success and, you know, I just always believed in myself because of that now with your learning disability or dyslexia Mm -hmm. um did you ever feel as though it hindered you or that you feared not being good enough because I, i i noticed that a lot of people if they feel like they cannot perform um on the same level as other people it kind of hinders them and it it keeps them kind of back and kind of shying away from being in the forefront. Did you ever go through that? That was the opposite for me. Yeah, I know. I know now. (laughs) But did you ever? I was always like this. I just, again, I think just seeing success, Mm -hmm. I just was like, I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, that drove me to just, just get through anything, you know, but there's studies about dyslexic people. Um, There's a good percentage of successful business owners. I mean, uh, um, entrepreneurs that are that are dyslexic. Um, Mm -hmm. There's studies about that because part of it is the challenge. We have to fight like all our lives. Like I don't. I never think anything is too hard for me. People are like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "No, I can do that." Like because it was a challenge. It was hard. You Mm -hmm. know, you had to figure things out. Uh, Part of that. part of being dyslexic is that we think outside the box a lot and that helped me in my career and that's helping me now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> so how often would you say you go back to Sierra Leone? Oh man, I haven't been back since 2006. Okay. Now the first time I went back was uh, 2012 and that was after 24 years. Wait a second. How you say you haven't been back since 2006? Oh, sorry, 16. There's that. This <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. She's just giving us an example of how dyslexia works. Thank you. That's exactly it. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That's it. Okay, so so which which is it? So it's 2016. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, so so the first time uh it took twenty four years for me to go back. Um and then, you know, then I went back two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen and you know, I fell in love. Um, I was actually going to move back in, was it 2015 or so? I was going to work with uh, PwC mm-hmm. back there. But then that's when the Ebola outbreak happened. So, and you yeah. changed your mind. No, I just kept waiting for things to like clear up. I think it was 2016. <laughs> I was already I had downsized. <laughs> that broke my heart. Um, but, you know, uh, it's all good. So. so how would you describe your passion for your people? Oh my God, I'm so passionate. So I'm one of those people that was always proud to be like African, right? Like now it's cool. Everybody's like proud to be African. And because I I had cousins who wouldn't like say they're Africans or whatever growing up. Like I was always proud. I love my culture. You know, like when I was younger back home, I just remember like, you know, the people, the like traditions, like one of my favorite things to do is like dance in the street. Um, You know, like they call it Junkanoo in like the islands. Mm -hmm. I know in Turks they call it Junkanoo. Like, you know, dance in the street with the costumes and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the street food, the people. Like I just, um, yeah, I just, I love my culture. I've always loved my culture and so proud of it. It's so rich. It's so rich. So I know that you have essentially built a community um, of owning your voice on your platform. What has that transition um, 
been like for you? Because, you know, you go from just having a social media account where you're just sharing, you know, your thoughts and whatever to now having thousands of followers who actually value your opinion. What has that been like for you? So that was interesting because I was just being me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized that people were like paying attention to me, like people were like sending me emails and stuff and from all over and like, oh, we're proud of you and this and that. And and then I was like, oh, my God, like I have a platform. We'll share something that you may have uh, shared on your platform just to give people who may not know who you are and understanding of something that you may have said that kind of stirred. Not necessarily controversy, but stirred or started a conversation. Okay, so um, I, during the elections uh, time in Sierra Leone, um, I started doing lives like randomly. Uh, You know, I wanted to learn about the candidates and what was going on uh, back home. My family is very, uh, is heavily involved in politics. Um, My mom's dad was one of the founders of um, one of the parties, APC. Um, So uh, it's very political, but I came from from an, an unbiased place and that's what people appreciated. So I did my live shows and people all over the world. It was like, one was like 25,000 views. Um, you know, like they were coming on asking questions and this was just me and my, with my phone randomly. Right. Um, and then people started asking me to do more people inbox me. People are listening to you. Like I'm telling you, I was getting stuff from China, Australia, like writing, tell me how proud they're of me. Um, you know, just asking questions and, um, just giving people an opportunity to talk about what they care about, how they see, um, how they saw like the elections going and things like that. Um, so that was good. One thing that I did do was, um, when Trump called, uh, African countries, uh, whole countries, uh, I got very emotional. Um, and I wrote, um, an open letter to Trump and that went viral. I think it was like 480 like shares or something. Um, and I basically said in that letter, I said, listen, I've done more for the United States than you have. I've been consulting for the federal government for 13 years. Um, I've actually implemented, you know, changes like I've gotten awards, you know, mm-hmm. um, I have had impact. You know, I said and I was born in one of those countries, you know, um, and again, I just took offense to it because I just felt like so many of us um, are given back to the United States, you know, um, and we deserve more than that. So, mm-hmm. so I, so that was pretty, um, yeah, that was more, went viral. <laughs> so understanding that you did not come to America seeking um, more, right. you were, you did not come to America seeking to be fulfilled. Right. What are your thoughts on the quote unquote American dream? So, yeah, so the American dream, right. Um, I always say that that's that's something that should be an indiv- individual thing, right? Like for me, my American dream is different from most people I know, right? Like I live in a high rise. Like I've always dreamt of having a penthouse and like, um, you know, living in the city. You know, I, most of my family members, my sisters, they have big houses in the suburbs and that's nice. You know, that's their American dream. To me, my American dream wasn't going to school and, you know, having a career, you know, uh, for me, having my, my career was a stepping stone. I always saw big things. I always saw myself as, you know, a CEO, owning businesses, things that I'm doing now. Like I've always seen it. Um, so so my American dream is different. But what I would like to say to people is that it's not easy. Like, you know that, Angel. Come mm-hmm. on. Um, people are like, oh, are you doing all this stuff? And I'm like, I work really hard 
to accomplish all these things. Nobody's life is easy. The American dream is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even after you make the millions, I know a lot of people with a lot of money that they're just stressing over different things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, so the American dream, essentially, I feel as though you're saying, you know, you take it, you make it what you want to be to fix fit the lifestyle that you want to create. Exactly, exactly. But how do you feel our current administration, and I feel like you somewhat touched on this, um, how the current administration's uh, way of dealing with the American people, immigrants, is potentially impacting cultures coming together, working together, being effective, and really feeling like, I can do this because I feel like, you know, you coming into America at the age that you came in and growing up and um, having that foundational background is something that has helped sustain you, has helped you, you know, remain um, relevant and resilient. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But then if you think about other people who have come into this country that did not have that. Right. You know, and you're hearing the leadership say things that can be very, you know, make you make you feel like you're not worthy right. or make you feel like you're not good enough. Right. You know, what would you say to that little girl that maybe nine years old mm-hmm. that doesn't have an amazing mother right. figure, you know, whose parents are standing on the corner trying to, you know, go mm-hmm. And paint your house or, you know, whatever it is to make ends meet for their families. What would you say to that little girl who their American dream is opportunity? Right. So what I would say to that little girl is that, you know, keep believing, keep dreaming in your dreams and um, keep, you know, just keep believing. Right. Like Trump will pass. I mean, come on. And that's how I live my life with everything, you know, and and, and, and the immigrant community has really come together to try to, like, help and support each other. Mm-hmm. But but that's all I could tell that little girl right now that you are worthy. Um, you know, like you said, I did come from like, you know, I, I came from a really, really privileged background mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that until recently. Um, you know, did we have hard times here? Yeah, we did. You know, but at the end of the day, I knew who I was and I knew where I was going mm-hmm. regardless. Right. So for that little girl that that may not even have role models like, you know, like us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell her to just keep dreaming. There are little there are women that grew up like that. that I know with nothing, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have a friend, Jessica, in Colorado now. You know, she came here with nothing. Her family. She's a very successful um, consultant, you know. Um, so, I mean, like it, 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 it wasn't easy. But it can be done. Um, you just gotta. You just gotta keep going. You just gotta keep going. Um, yeah, that's all I can. That's all I can say. Yeah, that that so level of encouragement. Sad. Now, you mentioned that you have multiple businesses, yeah. and so let's talk a little bit about your international relations and the work that you do globally. Right. Um, what was your inspiration behind launching a career in that market? Okay, so. Um, I started consulting here uh, with the federal government. I did some um, commercial and, and things like that. But one thing that um, I experienced was sadness quite a bit. When I really started getting awards and things like that, seeing the impact that I was having, there are times I would cry and think, gosh, I wish I could do this in my country. Mm. Like, 
I wish I could do the same thing. They need this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so that's what started all of that. And then um, because of, you know, I mean, several different networks, things come to me. They know I'm a consultant. Like, oh, my, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? And then I got a contract in Turks and Caicos to do some transformation work there. I love that contract, but go ahead. I know. That was like <laughs> the best thing. I, I got to stay on the number one beach in the world mm-hmm. and got paid for it. Right. Okay. But um, I still can't <laughs> believe it. Um, but yeah, I got a contract there. Um, you know, I, I've done work, um, you know, for Liberia. I work on like proposals and um, things like that as a SME. Um, you know, serially subject matter expert. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, strategy work, putting together like strategy pre- presentations for, um, uh, you know, leadership and things like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And, and there's a lot going on over there and, you know, in Sierra Leone, I mean, in West Africa, um, cause I'm not just limited to Sierra Leone. Right. Um, that, that I'm looking to, to tap into, um, pretty soon. So, yeah. And what's your favorite part? about the work that you're able to do. Oh my God, the people. Like that's what I noticed recently. I said everything I do, the one the the connection is people. I love people. And I tell people that's why I'm successful in my career. My my clients always end up liking me, wanting to hire me. Mm-hmm. Um I'm one of those people in the office that everyone stops to talk to, like even the strangers. <laughs> like today in one of my meetings, uh one of my colleagues said, Yeah, you know, um the director is your text buddy, you know, like and he doesn't talk to anybody. It's like two levels up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, we just chat on, you know. Yeah. Um but every people just take to me um, because I'm passionate about people, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about the work I do because the work I do get to help people. When I do transformations, I, you know, I come in and I streamline uh, operations in an office. I'm saving you time. I'm saving, um, you know, giving you some time back. I'm saving you money. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, you probably have a bet- better days because of that. So, um, yeah, I love people. I love people. Yeah. Now, do you work with small businesses yeah. as mm-hmm. well? Yeah, I work with small businesses. Um, I have a few small business clients. I, I I'm kind of slowing down on that right now um, mm-hmm. because I am launching my my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have I have a couple of small business clients. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, my you have a daughter. Yes, Aziza. who's twelve years old, <laughs> and you have been raising her. Um, and doing an amazing job. Thanks. How are you able to manage motherhood, business owner, um, in one, and not feel like and and, and you got a date, you gotta you know you gotta fulfill <laughs> that other <laughs> those other needs. <laughs> so, how do you manage those three? Wow. Okay, so it's really hard, right? Because you you hear this all the time, and it happens to me. It's like I'm doing really great at work, and then I start feeling like, oh my god, my daughter. Oh my god, you know. Like today, I was like, oh, I'm gonna take you to Dave and Buster's, and you know, as I'm going home, I'm like, what time was I gonna have to take her to Dave and Buster's? And I was just, I just thanked the Lord that it was storming outside because she doesn't like the storm. So I called. I said, listen, it's storming. We gotta, we gotta do this tomorrow. <laughs> it just God saved me. She was like, okay, okay. Because otherwise, I swear. So, I mean, so it's like always a challenge. I always feel bad. And sometimes I think um, I um, give her too much because of that, because I'm feeling guilty. guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to I try to balance that uh, as much as I can. But but it's hard, you know, um, but she understands, too. Right. Like she 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 gets it. Um, you know, she gets it. Because I had to explain to her because she likes certain things. And, you know, to say, you know, I have to work. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. to do this. So I think you had one post that was like, you know, having a daughter is like having a broke best friend. Right. <laughs> right. It is. It is. You know, like she just thinks like I have money. Like the other day I'm like, let's go to Ruth's Chris with my dad this and that. And she's like, oh, can we call Auntie this and Auntie that's what she does. Like, can they, all of them come? I said, are you paying for it? Mm-hmm. Like, no. It's like, but that's how, yeah, she just, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's hard. I'm not going to even pretend it's hard. Um, it's very hard. You but. didn't talk about the dating part. I'm listening. Oh, the dating. I date, but you know, I, I, I you know, I date, but I try to stay out of uh, crazy situations because I, I, you know, my career is, is very important. <laughs> you know, I always tell people <laughs> I, I growing up, I never dreamt of like marriage or anything. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I get proposed to all the time, but um, and I've been married. <laughs> like It's the most ironic thing. But yeah, I mean, so, you know, it's funny because I think it was yesterday. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to start dating. Like, I'm going to actually make an effort. I'd never do that because, you know, guys chase you and then you're like, oh, yeah. oh, back and forth with the ex, you know, because yeah. it's co- comfortable. But I was like, I got I to gotta start dating again. Or you just think, oh. You're just here and you just like what you see and eh, right. right. And, you know, and I, and, and I get turned off easily, um, you know, because the guys that normally approach me and probably you are usually very successful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, they start doing too much and all of that. Like, I'm not about that life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I got I can get my own. Right. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of that pretentious behavior around here. So. Right. Especially in D.C., yes. Yeah. All right, no, so this has been great. Um, and so we're going to take a quick break. We will do um, Tech Talk. We haven't done Tech Talk in a minute. So um, we'll share some tech tips with you. And when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Mai. Stay with us. It's time to get techie with Tech Talk this week. We have Miss Jalisa Johnson in studio with us, and she is going to share with us something about what? What is it? The scanning. QR? QR scan codes. All right. What's this? So QR scanning is the way of the world. Everything today you can scan and move and, and, and never have to pull out a credit card, never have to use your driver's license, never have to use um, even going to the doctor. Today's technology is going to the QR. Today's technology is going to the QR scan code. Now, like, how do we use it? I mean, I'm used to seeing like a, a QR code reader, like if you know if it's on the back of a book or it's on a shirt, telling you, "Hey, scan here to," and I'll direct you somewhere. But how does it work if you're inputting your credit card information or like? Well, it's actually taken and in. In putting your credit card information. So you're not putting in your credit card information. It is scanning your credit card information and storing it mm-hmm. and utilizing it for different apps like uh, Apple Pay, for um, PayPal, mm-hmm. for uh, Cash App. It okay. Is- so the QR scan code, is it different than like a QR code that you would, you know, utilize like the QR code reader for? Like, is there a particular app or like what do I put in to acquire this QR scan code or is, am I all the way off? No, you're, you're right. So if you go into any application, if you're looking for the application, there are multiple QR scanners. So that's what it really is, is a scanner. So you need to have the scanner on your phone in order to use those services. And what am I scanning? You're scanning your credit card. You're scanning your So it stores license. it in my phone? It stores it in your phone. So, okay. So but I'm it sc- also allows you to pull up information. So if I have a QR scanner and I go into a store and I want to buy a book, mm-hmm. I can use that scanner to purchase that book. It will purchase the book right there. 
Oh. When you walk into Giant, Giant mm-hmm. has these big QR scanners now in the supermarket right. that you can go and you can shop for your groceries using this QR scanner. Mm-hmm. When you get to the register, you put your QR scanner on your phone up to it and it takes the money off and you can bag your groceries and walk out the grocery store. Amazon uses it. Health informatic applications are using it today. Um, uh, doctor's offices are using it today. And as consultants, we can also use it for billing for um, taking and receiving funds. So instead of necessarily using applications like Cash App, I can now send you a QR code that you can scan and pay me. Now, would the other person just have to have a QR code reader? Scanner. Scanner. Or reader. So as a business owner, I'm going to have a scanner because I want to be able to take your information and you pay me. So I would send you a QR code. You would scan it also, and it would also transfer my funds. It would tell you what you're transferring and for what. Now, is is that a transfer fee involved in this? No. Okay, so depending on the depending on the service you attach to it. So mm -hmm. if I attach Apple Pay, it is whatever Apple Pay uses in their transaction fees. Oh, okay. So it's not just like I put up a QR code reader on, let's say, a a media kit. And you scan it to buy the book right then and there where the transaction happens. You actually still have to have a third party take the money. It depends on how you have it set up. If you're a developer, obviously you can set it up that you can have your own. Are you a developer? Gateway. I am a developer. So, so you I would can develop do that for my me? own gateway. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, hopefully we didn't confuse y'all too much with the QR scanner. Um, but I think that is a great way for you to store Um, your credit card information or other information so that you can communicate with other devices um, and just kind of make your life a little simpler. All right. Well, that's this week's Tech Talk, and we hope that it was beneficial. Learn more at WBBTalk.com. Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we are continuing our conversation with Chef Mai Brunette, the woman behind Mai's Kitchen. So... We have been talking about your role, your impact, your influence in West Africa and everything that has essentially brought you to where you are in this very moment. And so I want to know, why did you decide to establish Mai's Kitchen? Okay. So I decided to establish Mai's Kitchen because um, I wanted to... It started off with my YouTube channel. I wanted to show people, you know, and teach people about like West African like food and cuisine and, you know, just kind of just have fun. Right. That's how it started. Well, actually, let's back up. What is Mai's Kitchen? Okay, so Mai's Kitchen um, is a catering service, a food service. Um, Right now, um, Mai's Kitchen is hosting what I call Dinner with Mai. um, And those are going to be small dinner parties, intimate dinner parties, um, serving authentic West African food um, to guests. And, um, you know, just kind of creating a a social event, just an experience. I want people to experience um, my food, my culture, you know. um, So that's what that's about. Yeah. And so you were nine when you moved here. Mm Mm-hmm. Who taught you how to make traditional West African food? Oh, that's a great question, right? Um, so 
I was always interested in cooking. So back home, um, I used to cook in my grandparents' yard in the back. I used to cook in like like tin cups, like empty tomato cups or whatever. The I little was, cans. Yeah, the little cans, which was dangerous. But I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I loved cooking for when I was small. So I'll cook in that. Um, when I came here, um, when my mom came back, I used to be in the kitchen with my mom all the time. Like mm-hmm. I was always cooking with my mom. I remember like making fufu with my mom from scratch. Like, um, so, cause I just loved cooking. Um, so yeah, so I just learned. Um, and then when I was in high school, I remember I asked my mom, can I cook Sunday dinners um, in college? All my friends, like, that's what they're saying. They're like, my, this is so like overdue. Like everyone that knows me in college, I'll take like five, five dollars from all my friends. I'll go shopping and I'll come cook these big dinners. Like, so I was, I was always cooking. It was always my thing. Um, and it's funny because I feel like God pushed me to it. It's so mm-hmm. amazing because most of the time I'm either in the kitchen or thinking about food. <laughs> Like, it's crazy. Like, I'm or like, eating. Or eating, right. Or at, at a restaurant eating. Like, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, God, like, kind of like forced me. I just realized it. Like, yo, what are you doing? I see all these people doing all the, these things, especially my Nigerian sisters who who always amaze me because, you know, they don't play. You know, I, I'm on their Instagram pages and million followers and they're cooking all the stuff that I cook and all that. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I'm watching and admiring them. I'm like, you, you have this gift, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's how I came about. And I'm very excited. I love people and I love food. So, you know. <laughs> so, have you seen the movie Soul Food? Old movie? No, I have not. Okay, so we're going to have a sister date and we're going to watch Soul yeah. Food. But one of the things that I feel like Soul Food represents is the community, the togetherness. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know from you, what does cooking represent to you? Great. That's a great question. Um, For me, cooking is a way to bring people together. Right. So in my book, I talk about, um, you know, I acknowledge my grandmother and my mom. And I always talk about from when I was young, I remember like people lining up, getting like like ingredients, rice, Mm -hmm. whatever from my grandmother. She used to give people in the neighborhood food. Mm -hmm. Um, They would have these big cooks right and people will come eat the poor people and stuff they'll come eat so I remember that I don't have many memories but I remember that I remember my mom on Saturdays um cooking uh fufu and and soup and soups and sauces and people coming over like all day in and out like in big pots and it was like everybody was happy and you know it brought people together Mm -hmm. so for me that's that's what food food represents to me it's 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 a way to bring people together so the same way that you have or you learned your passion at such a young age and anyone who knows me knows that I'm a huge advocate for incorporating your children in your business and incorporating your children in the work that you do, mm-hmm. period. How do you include your daughter in this process. Oh, she thinks like it's her, like it's hers. <laughs> um, all she talks about now is to dinner with my lunch on Saturday. And who did we not invite? Who did we invite? Oh, she's always in the kitchen. She loves food as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she loves food. She loves to cook. So we cook together. Um, you know, we, yeah, we're, we're always in the kitchen together. We're always out at restaurants and everyone's like, oh, you take your daughter to all these places because she appreciates food. Because when she was a young, at a young age, I used to cook really well. And, you know, there were a couple of times I didn't like cook well. Like I once I didn't put, I think it was garlic or, or onions and something else in spaghetti. She was young and she wouldn't eat it. <laughs> she knew, I mean, that's her palate is that sophisticated um, because she grew up around it. You mm-hmm, know, it's mm-hmm. like her passion as well. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. 
So when it comes to your dinner with my experiences, what can people um, expect? Okay, so what they can expect is really great West African food. Um, you know, uh, they can expect a great company. Um, it's it's you know it's an experience. Um, it's an experience of our culture as well, like our West African culture. Um, you know, we're going to have like pieces around uh, conversational pieces and um, just going to talk about, you know, the food. And so it's not just eating. We're going to, you know, explain what they're eating and things like that. Um, so, yeah, they're going to they're going to have a good time. Good time. Good people. Good food. Um, you know. Yeah. Now, what are some traditional West African dishes? Okay. So, of course, the most popular one is jollof rice. They have the jollof wars and all that stuff, right? Festival. Um, that's really popular. And that originated from um, the Sen- uh, Senegal, uh, the Senegambia people, um, the Wolof people. And they actually cook the best jollof. But, <laughs> well, you know, Ghana and Nigeria, you know, they're, they're loud, so they, they try to claim it. But And then Sierra Leone is the next best. We won the jollof uh, festival. Um, in DC this year, um, but yeah, so so yeah, so jollof uh, groundnut soup is pretty popular as well. And uh, what is that? Groundnut soup is 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 it's also called peanut butter soup. Um, I know it sounds kind of nasty. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> you said it sounds kind of. I, I, I know. Wait, you know what? It, you know, it's almost like the Thai sauce, uh, peanut okay. sauce. Okay. So we cook it really through with, um, and then you add like all the vegetables, and then you have you add tomato paste, and you cook it. Like I I cook mine's really um, I I slow cook mine, so you cook it, everything blends together, so you don't taste the peanut butter. It gives it a really nice flavor, unique flavor. Um, yeah, so peanut butter soup. Um, Pepper chicken is kind of popular too. It's like mm-hmm. made with peanut sauce. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Cassava leaves is popular. Do West Africans not have nut allergies? Like peanut allergies? You know what? Some of us do. And it's funny with me, it's like sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Because once I ate peanut butter soup and I realized that, you know, I think I was coughing and stuff a lot. And I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. But. Okay, yeah. I'm listening. So, okay, so we got <laughs> peanut butter soup. We got. Chicken, pepper chicken, pepper chicken, uh, cassava leaves. Now, what are what is the cassava leaves, so cas- and what does that dish consist of? Okay, so cassava leaves is uh, the leaves from the cassava um, that you know, cassava, right? The leaves. Okay. <laughs> like, wait, I've never don't been judge asked us. that before. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I never thought about it. Um, so it's the leaves. It's cut, um, and um, the actual soup is cooked with uh, palm oil, um, the red oil, mm-hmm. um, you know, the cassava leaves. You put your choice of meats. Um, we use we use dried fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we use a lot of dried fish, um, and you know, you season it with. Um, you blend vegetables, uh, peppers, and you know, and, and you put it all together and kind of boil it and simmer it. It'll be in my book, Dinner with My. (laughs) Coming soon. Coming Coming soon. soon. (laughs) Now, when it comes to like healing properties Mm -hmm. and um, medical, like things that the um, West African culture eats Mm -hmm. to like help heal the body. Well, do you know of any like herbs or any like leaves or plants or foods that you all eat to I don't. I mean, you know, I I I know that I always hear like people boil stuff. <laughs> I think like bitter leaves is one or something. I, no, I can't think of any. They are right, but yeah. I just can't think of any right now off the top of my head. But I know that people um, boil some leaves a lot of times to like you know clean themselves out. Right. Okay. All right. Now. 
you have Dinner With My launching. You have the book launching. Earlier on the show, you talked about your YouTube channel. Yeah. What else can we expect from Dinner With My? So, um, Dinner With My, right now, um, we're just going to be doing uh, small private parties. Uh, so, if you wanted to... If you were having a party and you said, well, Mike, can you cater it mm-hmm. like that? And mm-hmm. um, in the fall, um, I'm putting together the paperwork to be able to do large catering services, mm-hmm. provide large, large catering services. Um, people have been asking me for years. So I'm putting together my team um, to do that. And yeah, so. <laughs> and then I think I also saw something about that you'll be starting to do prepackaged meals. Yeah, that's something that definitely I'm, I'm looking to do um, in the fall. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 big now. I mean, you go to Whole Foods and stuff, you know, you have African foods on the shelves. And I'm sorry, some of these stuff I'm seeing, I'm like, wait, what's going on? No, seriously. <laughs> right. Like, are you serious? Hey, I got to get in on this. <laughs> Now, what would be your price point or have you got that far? I haven't gotten that far. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet, actually. But um, it'll be reasonable. It'll be reasonable. Okay. And so where do you see Dinner with My evolving to? Also, Dinner with Miles is is an international, it's global. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this so Dinner with My in Freetown. I mean, Dallas, Houston. I mean, there are people waiting right now. So it's going to be everywhere. My, you recently launched My's Kitchen. What was that experience like? Wow, that was a great experience. I mean, guests left, um, you know, really, really impressed with the food, um, you know, the ambiance. What were some of your dishes that you had prepared? Some of my dishes, um, you know, I made some jollof. I made peanut butter soup, granite soup, uh, pepper chicken, my famous chicken stew. Um, I made uh, my really delicious uh, golden brown fried shrimp. Is that fried golden brown shrimp? I always (laughs) post it, actually, and people like it. So um, so I made that. I made um, those ginger beer. Do you make dessert? Um, no, I don't make desserts, but um, uh, I made some akara. Um, it's like puff puff. Uh, puff puff what? <laughs> what is puff? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, it's okay. I ain't never heard of puff puff. What's puff so puff? So puff puff is a it's a it's like a pastry, like a dough that's fried. It's eaten in West Africa, like donuts. Yeah, like donuts. It's, it's kind of like <laughs> okay. donuts, but it's a little hard. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so then also we had some um, some fruits, some tropical fruits, right? Okay. Uh huh. Like papaya, um, pineapple, mangoes. So yeah. Nice, yeah. awesome. I love it. And you said that it's international, so wherever you go, I can see this being like, um, what's the white party that Dinner they do? Blanc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That is awesome. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere. You know, I travel quite a bit, so it's going to be great. I'm excited. So. We have come to the point in the show where we share our moments from the valley, and you were on our show, our very, very first guest. Mai was on the show. And so I'm so excited to have you back and to share a brand new moment from the valley. And so while you think of your moment, we are going to listen to a little Fantasia. (laughs) Stay with us. Love. Tomorrow you 
So it is that time where we share our moments from the valley. This is when you share a moment that you did not know how you were going to overcome a particular situation. I would like to know what the situation was, how you overcame it, and what was waiting for you on the other side. Wow. So last year, uh, last summer, I would say towards the end of June, July, um, I had, I, I had, wow, how do I even say this? Okay, so... A couple of people at work were plotting against me to get fired, to get me fired at my firm, Um, you know, because of 
you know, insecurities because I'm a very bold person and, you know, I'm, I'm very confident. It rubs a lot of people the wrong way and, and that's fine, you know. Um, so, you know, trying to get me fired, set me up and made all these like stories, like actually like said, I like these were my managers. Right. Like um, that, you know, I was taken off without like, uh, you know, do, going through the proper protocols. Um, I was incompetent, which is what they do to black women um, when they want to get you fired. That's that's actually like um, that was found in a study that when when uh, people want to get black people fired, like for racial reasons, they say you're incompetent. Um, so all of that. Um, and I just fought it. <laughs> they didn't know who they were messing with, actually, because um, they had fired people before. You know, it has it had been going on. Even some of the the my team members were like, "You should just leave. Go get another job." And I said, "Listen, I can get jobs here." I said, "But I've been in this industry for too long. I've and I, you know, I've been swimming with sharks. I've you know swam with sharks at Booz Allen and the big firms. Nobody, I, I got this. Mm-hmm. So I fought. I um I wrote a twelve page uh, um letter or whatever you want to call it. I created a 12-page document, detailed document. Um, I had, like, uh, proof in there of, like, times I took off. Um, I had uh, witnesses. Um, I had everything documented. And I went to the VPs and I said, "Um, listen, if you guys don't do something about this, you know, um, I'm going to sue. I'm going to sue the the firm. And um, they were like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. You know, and and I told them, I said, listen, I'm my mom's a lawyer. Like I, I grew up in a house, knowing what to do when I need to do it, and I did it. And you know, it turned around, and now my 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 contract is actually the one that's like like driving the whole thing now. And now they're they're telling me to build a process improvement um, capability where I'm at. Literally, the director who nobody really talks to is talking to me, telling me I'm awesome. Um, you know, this is exactly a year later. Like if, and that's why I tell people you have to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and not everybody have you know have it in them, and I get it. But like, you have to fight. Like, I remember looking at my daughter. Like, no, what kind of person am I if I just like back down, and let people like bully me because it was bullying. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been told that myself and another gentleman um, who sued. Uh, the firm actually, he actually sued, uh, were the reasons why the culture has changed. Because it was a small firm growing to a big, a larger firm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had proof they were calling uh, my my client, who's a black woman, young black woman, highly educated, the same thing, incompetent in front of me, and this. It was it, it was racial, um, and so yeah, I fought it. I fought it, and 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 I won. And right now, I'm like the golden child, and it's it's unbelievable. And the same one of the same people. That try to get me fired. One day at happy hour, told me you're so tiny, but you're so powerful. Like, my, don't leave. Like, this is in front of this same person. Everyone knows one of them got fired. This one, she's on her way out. But yeah, but yeah. So that to me, like, that's the biggest testimony. When I tell you, like, God is good. Like, I fought and I won, and and now, like, like I'm literally the person like holding on, like keeping that contract alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a year later. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of times we we need to hear that reminder mm-hmm. that you just have to push through, right? And and one thing I want to say is, um, again, people are always like, "Oh, you're so this, you're so that, you're so confident." I'm confident because I've over I overcame so much. 
like, again, from being young and dyslexic and, you know, I always tell people, like, I used to beg my sisters. They were, like, straight-A students, APs. Like, I used to beg them, like, one more day, don't show your report card. Like, I went through that. <laughs> like, let me just get myself together first, you know. Um, but, like, you know, I've, I've gone through so much, you know, being divorced at a young age, deciding to walk away, you know. Um, just... You know, I mean, you know, my daughter has, you know, learning difference. You know, I mean, I, I've been through so much. And every time you overcome things, your faith gets stronger. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's usually like, oh, I can I can fight that, you know, and, you know, because because I've seen what God has done mm-hmm. in the past. So, yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your testimony and your thank moment you. from the Valley with us. I'm sure that it has ministered to the hearts of many, not just one person, um, because I feel like your Valley moment is something that is so tangible that mm-hmm. people on a regular basis are fighting through. Oh, yeah. And, you know, especially if they're working in corporate America where they're trying to, you know, just kind of get their bearings. Because mm-hmm. there was even a time where I had a, a situation very, very similar. Um and it was just like, you're not going to run me out. If anything, you'll go before I do. And that's what happened. And, and that's what's happening. <laughs> and that is exactly what happened in my case as well. Right. So <laughs> just keep persevering and keep pushing through. Thank and you. Congratulations on all of your amazing accomplishments. Thank you. Thank and you so, so share some information with how people can follow you okay. uh, and learn more about Mai's Kitchen, um, the upcoming book, okay. as well as your um, consulting business. Great, great. Wow, so much. Um, so so for Mai's Kitchen um, and Dinner with Mai, you can um, go to Dinner with Mai, M-A-I. That's Dinner with um, M-A-I dot com. Uh, you can find out information there. Um, and um, for my consultant, um, you can follow me at Zub Global on Instagram. Um, I'm relaunching the international consultant, um, rebranding. So the new website is not up yet. It's going to be ZubGlobal.com. Um, you can follow me at Mai's Kitchen, <laughs> uh, underscore uh, My M-A-I Kitchen at, um, it, on Instagram, Mai's Kitchen on Facebook, My Blessed Life on Instagram, um, and My Zub on Facebook. That's Mai's M-A-I, not M-Y-M-A-I. And we're going to consolidate all of these different social media handles before I'm done with you. Right. (laughs) That was five minutes of just giving you social media. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, that has been our show for today. Mm -hmm. I hope that everybody has enjoyed it. Please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com. And now you can start registering for the Women Behind the Business Retreat titled Vision 2020, using scriptures to propel you to new dimensions. It's all happening on the beautiful island of Nassau, Bahamas, February 20th through 24th, 2020 at Bahamar Resort and Convention Center. To register, visit wbbtalk.com backslash registration. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at wbbtalk. A special thank you to our producer, Kyle Murdoch, and our program director, Max Myrick. Until next time, stay blessed.
Thank you.